It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Uh, You can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast. We are live on YouTube currently. Uh, follow and rate it if you're watching it on YouTube, the Coach Steve Show YouTube channel. Like and subscribe. 
Uh, follow it, rate it, uh, wherever you get your podcasts on Apple and iTunes. Do, if you do it on iTunes and Apple, it helps out tremendously. Uh, that'd be greatly appreciated. Hope everybody's had a great weekend. It was a great weekend of college football. Week 3 gave us a lot of memorable games. There is a lot to cover today, a whole ton to cover, and which will lead into other episodes when we get into deeper on what has happened. Uh, there was upsets. There was close games. There was blowouts. Coaches are on the hot seat. Some coaches are gone. Uh, some defensive coordinators are gone already. There is changes over and over there's people complaining about their teams. They're wondering if they're even good. They're they're talking about making head coaching changes. A lot of fan bases that are being babies about their team. There's a lot going on, but that's why we love college football. Uh, so we're going to talk about all of college football week three reactions that caught my attention and everybody else's attention. We'll try to get through as much as humanly possible. Uh, if you're watching live at all, just leave a comment. Be a part of the conversation. Uh, one of these days, we'll get it working where maybe you guys can call in live. So be prepared for that. So let's talk about week three of college football. I did not do an episode where I put out my picks, but I put them out there. Um, I am now 6-10 and 10 overall. Uh, I had Oklahoma at 11, minus 11.5, BYU plus 3.5, Miami over Texas A&M, Mississippi State over LSU, and Penn State-Auburn over 47.5. I only got two right. I only got the Oklahoma one and Penn State-Auburn game right. Brings my record to 6-10. and 10. We will bounce back next week on my picks. I will not do NFL picks this year. I didn't uh, get them out there quick enough week one, so I wasn't going to start it. So... Uh, we'll not be doing that, but now I am currently 6-10. and 10. We will bounce back on that. Um, before we dive into week three, make sure you guys check out the Belly Up Media Network at bellyupsports.com. Podcast blogs and everything there for everybody. There's something there for all, not just sports-related, but everything else in between as well. So bellyupsports.com to check out the Belly Up Media Network. Let's dive into college football week three. Like I said, there was a lot of games, uh, tons to get through. Uh, we're going to try to get through as much as humanly possible, but there's a ton that we are going to get through during this episode. Uh, won't be able to dive in too much into each specific one, but I will dive into as much as I can, as quickly as I can. So let's talk about one of the first games <clears throat> that was going to catch my eye. And the only reason why I'm going to bring this up is because Georgia looks good. And sad to say being a Nick Saban fan and rooting for Alabama probably more than everybody in the state of Illinois they whipped South Carolina 48 to 7 this was not a huge shocker to people unless you are a South Carolina fan where you are bought into the Spencer Rattler thing and everything else I love coach Beamer as a head coach of South Carolina I think he's going to be the right fit there you see good things happening there it is going to take time and I got I want you to keep that in your mind when I talk about Give a head coach time taking over a program because that's going to mean something later on with a different team that we will end up talking about. But this game, 4-8-7, the reason why I bring this up is because if you are a Spencer Rattler fan, this was not a good game for you. Uh, he did not play well, and I am not shocked. He was 13 of 25, 118 yards, two interceptions. They even brought in a backup quarterback, Luke Dottie, 5 of 8, 76 yards. He had a touchdown and interception. They even played a third quarterback and had a pass. Stenson Bennett dominated 284 yards, two touchdowns, 16 of 23. Um, rushing the ball, they had 208 yards rushing. South Carolina is just not there yet. I don't know if they will get there, but I think that again, Coach Beamer is there. I'm bringing this up because Georgia looks good. 
as an Alabama fan of Nick Saban, this looks this is dangerous. Now I know it's just South Carolina. I know it was just Oregon, but these are what this is what they're supposed to do. This is what they're supposed to do. South Carolina is an SEC team, and Georgia dominated. Stenson Bennett looks good. The run game looks good. Their defense looks like they have not missed a beat. They've adapted to what they have, losing all those draft picks to the NFL. So I just want to put this on blast or put this on notice that Georgia does look good. And if Alabama can go undefeated the rest of the year and Georgia goes undefeated, they will meet in the SEC championship game, of course. Then whoever loses there will also make the playoffs. So Georgia's going to make the playoffs. I think Alabama's going to make the playoffs. Georgia is poised for another national championship this year. Um, Question marks on their defense, but right now they've been playing pretty good. Their schedule is going to poise for them to get some confidence, and we talk about all the time. Confidence is key to everything. No matter how big or small you are in football, no matter what, confidence is king. So they just look really good. This is not all on Coach Beamer like some people think. He has to rebuild this program. He has to get it the way he wants. Uh, I am just never have been on the Spencer Rattler wagon. And if he's as good as everybody says he is, he should make people around him better, and he should not have played this bad. I don't care who it was, if he's that good, which he's not. And if you're in that wagon, I am sorry. But Georgia looks good. They win 48-7. to Be on the lookout for them to be poised to win another national title. We're going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about it as quickly as I can. I want to go more in depth in this, but we have so much to get through uh, with our next game. Remember when people said that Nebraska would be probably 3-0 going into this game, 2-0 going into this game, something? Well, you're wrong. They are 1-2 now, or being 2-0 going into this game. They played Oklahoma. I told you guys at the beginning of the year on an episode, and I am I am – on record saying this, Nebraska is a hot mess. They're in a downward spiral. They have the opportunity to do well. Now, remember, we talked about it in our our Big Ten. You know, over-under, Nebraska, their over-under was 7.5. And, and people are like, why is it, I, at least for me, why was it 7.5? Why was it 7.5? They went 3-9 and nine last year. Well, their schedule. Well, the transfers that they got. Well, Scott Frost gave up this and that. Scott Frost is now gone. So they have an interim head coach, says all the right things, sounded good. People were really big on this will be a close game. When it opened up at 14 and a half, I didn't want to take it. Then it got down to 11 and a half, and I said, okay, because you don't know what kind of garbage time. You know, I compared it to getting a technical in basketball. When you get a new coach, there's a new energy, there's a new resurgence, there's new everything, new everything. So I didn't know, really know. We still don't really know all of what Oklahoma looks like. Now we have a really good idea what they look like. They ran the ball well, passed the ball well. Their defense really did well. Now at the beginning, it was a close game. Oklahoma just started to wear them down. I told you Nebraska was going to be in a downward spiral. You don't lose all those close games and expect all of a sudden, just because you make a couple of changes here in year four or five, whatever it was, to say, oh, yeah, now they're going to win over seven and a half games. Oh, but they're scheduled this. Oh, but they're scheduled that. It's not how it works. That is not how it works. You have to be able to figure out a way to win the close games. You have to figure out a way. Um, Oklahoma just had big plays. Um, their quarterback, Gabriel, played very well. 230 yards passing, two touchdowns. Um, they ran the ball extremely well. <laughs> ran the ball extremely well. I'm going to tell you their rushing yards. 312 rushing yards. And then 268 passing yards. So Nebraska's defense couldn't tackle. 
The defensive line couldn't do anything. Their linebackers weren't making any type of plays. And Oklahoma's defense put the clamps down. Nebraska had 327 yards, but today's game in college football, it's okay to give up the yards as long as you don't give up the points. Nebraska gave up all the yards in the world. 580 yards from Oklahoma. So remember when people said that Oklahoma was not going to look very good without their offensive guy in Lincoln Riley? Well, they still look pretty good to me. Still look pretty good to me. Now, I know their schedule isn't even something to, to, oh my God, look at who they've played. They played UTEP and Kent State. Cool. But this was a staple win. Nebraska is a staple program. People are very high in Nebraska. The roll test will come next week when they play Kansas State in their next game. That will be a big test for Oklahoma if they're going to be anything good. They have a lot of tough games. But what I just said a minute ago, confidence, confidence, confidence. If they're confident in their scheme, they're confident in the culture that's going on there, it's going to be fine. And I told you Nebraska was going to be in a downhill spiral. People were really big on their transfer quarterback, Casey Thompson. He had 129 yards of passing and a touchdown. That's it. Now, Nebraska ran the ball, but a lot of that came late in the game. You know, they had 163 yards rushing, but that came late in the game. You're up, you know, 30, 40 points. You're going to start getting some subs in. You're going to start, you know, getting other guys in. And if Nebraska keeps some starters in, they're going to get some garbage time. And that rushing yard average is going to go up and up and up. But I tried to tell you guys on other episodes, people left comments about Nebraska and how wrong I was. Now, there's something we're going to get to later on that I might have been wrong about that somebody commented. Um, Nebraska is still not good. They have decent players, but they're all checked out because you lose the head coach that brought you there in the transfer portal that recruited you. That I don't know. Now, could they end up going on a run the rest of the way? Absolutely, and we can talk about it way more because we have a ton to get through. But their, their schedule is not going to be something where you're going to go, oh, well, they're, they're going to win because they've already made changes. Their head coach, this interim head coach, fires a defensive coordinator. Fired him already. He's the interim head coach. He's going to make head coaching decisions. I don't know if I've ever seen an interim head coach fire people. Maybe it has. I'd have to do way more research on it. But have you ever seen an interim head coach fire somebody, a coordinator? I don't know if I have. I don't know. That's the first. So just everything in Nebraska is going down well, downhill. You have a new head coach now, or interim head coach. Now you have a new defense put in, or different wrinkles. That does not set up good. The only reason why you're looking at this going, okay, they have a chance because they play Indiana next, and the way Indiana played against Western Kentucky, you have a shot. But then you got Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. There's a handful of wins in there, less than a handful, actually. They're not going to make a bowl game now because you had to beat Georgia Southern to give that opportunity. You had to beat Northwestern to have the opportunity, and you didn't. You didn't beat those guys. You then lose to Oklahoma big. It wasn't like it was a close game. This was a big loss. Big, big loss. So I told you, uh, Nebraska was in a downward spiral. They are not good. And they're going to be in a bad spot. And then they're calling for Urban Meyer. But Oklahoma gets the big win. They are looking good. So it's going to be curious to see for Oklahoma going the rest of the way. Uh, their quarterback has played well. Running the football for them has been fantastic. You know, Brent Venables probably bringing some things he... You know, he has his own offense corner, but probably has given some input on what he's gotten from Clemson and Coach Elliott when he was there. So putting that all together, um, Oklahoma's poised to have a good year, and people really doubt them, but they're poised to have a good year. Nebraska, sorry, you're done. See ya. Moving on.
uh, we're going to talk about this one just real quick because it shocked a lot of people. Arkansas has looked good the first two weeks. Now, they squeaked away with a win against Missouri State Bears. They won 38-27, but they gave Arkansas everything they could handle and more. They were winning the game 17-14 at halftime. They outscored them in the third quarter as well, 7-3, but then Arkansas exploded into a big fourth quarter. Big fourth quarter. This is a year where you're seeing teams, small, non-Power 5 schools, maybe your smaller, not good Power 5 schools, and your FCS schools showing that there's great coaching, that there's great players for those programs against these bigger-time programs. Now, there's some that are blowing people out. Georgia's blowing people out, Alabama, other Division ones. But we've seen App State beat Texas a You're seeing Missouri State compete. There was an upset later on we're going to talk about from an FCS to an FBS. This is happening a lot. Transfer portal may have something to do with it. I think JUCOs feeding into the FCS programs have something to do with it. And I also think that some of these power fives, these big-time programs, sometimes overlook these guys, thinking, well, well, I don't think Sam Pittman in this case did this. I just think the Missouri State players were playing better than Arkansas. I think they were just very well prepared in their scheme versus Arkansas. Then as the game goes on, Arkansas's talent starts to take over, which we've seen um, from Division One versus FCS. That's usually what happens is they just have more depth at spots. They you know, can give guys breaks on special teams. For FCS, they may have to play special teams, and that takes more energy out of them. And just slowly talent starts to take over as the game goes on, and that's why you saw Arkansas score 21 points in the fourth quarter. Missouri State played excellent, excellent. Maybe should have won this game. And Arkansas did not tackle well at the beginning. They were not getting explosive plays. The offensive line was struggling a little bit, but then they started picking it up, started to pick it up. Missouri State, you know, their quarterback played very, very well. Uh, 357 yards passing and a touchdown. They ran the ball for only 52 yards. So Arkansas was not... Um, they were not letting them run the ball, but they also could not stop the pass. They're not being physical with the receivers off the line of scrimmage. Then Arkansas, you look at the numbers, played pretty well, but Missouri's defense, again, bent, but didn't break up until the fourth quarter, and they got worn down. K.J. Jefferson had two touchdown passes, 385 passing yards. They ran the ball for 212 yards. Um, Matt Landers had 123 yards rushing. Jason Hasselwood had 86 yards rushing. Uh or excuse me, receiving. Matt Leonard had 123 yards receiving. Rasheem Sanders had 167 yards rushing and a touchdown. So a lot of things just happened in that fourth quarter to give a lot of them these yards. And But you have to almost think it's a little concerning for Arkansas, but it's also a wake-up call when a team that's an FCS program comes in and gives you everything they've gotten more. And I'm sure Sam Pittman and Bryles went back in and said, oh boy, this is what we have to look at. Yeah, we had the yards. But we also can't turn the ball over. Um, Arkansas had two fumbles and an interception. That allowed Missouri State to stay in the ball game, who had the ball longer than Arkansas, 35 minutes, 51 seconds to 24 minutes. They gave them everything they had wanted and more. But I think this is a good wake-up call for Arkansas, to, for those players, to say you can't overlook anybody. We have to outplay everybody. This is that Nick Saban effect where it doesn't matter who you play, you cannot take plays off because teams will come to get you. It's happened to Alabama. It's happened to a bunch of other teams. 
Just want to talk about that one very quickly, that this is a wake-up call for Arkansas. So from here on out, you're, you'll see a more focused Arkansas team from a player's perspective. The coaches were ready, but those players, sometimes they read too much social media. They overlook everything. And so they will be more prepared next time. Moving on, we got a lot to get through. The Michigan State Spartans were ranked number 11 in the nation. They were ranked pretty high. They played the Washington Huskies, who people were had question marks on them. Historically, a good football program. Um, they had a little down year last year. And this year, people said that they were going to be back. Well, they're back. They are now sitting at 3-0. and Michigan State 2-1 because Washington got them 39-28. to uh, Washington, right from the get-go, they scored 9 points in the first quarter, 20 in the third quarter, and then 7-3. and three. Michigan State doesn't score. Then they score 8 in the second, 6 in the third, 14 in the fourth. Michigan State didn't play well. Washington came in and was the more physical team, which you don't really hear a lot when you're talking about the Pac-12. A real physical team outside the USC days and Chip Kelly's Oregon days. But outside of that, you don't really hear about this physically tough team that you see from the Pac-12. Washington just came in and punched Michigan State in the mouth, especially through the air. Uh, Penix Jr. from Indiana went to Washington. We knew he was good in Indiana. He had some injury issues, but when he is on, he is on. He was 24-40, 397 yards and four touchdowns. Big Ten quarterback, very familiar with the Big Ten and how it works. Uh, Peyton Thorne, the quarterback for Michigan State, also played well, 327 yards and three touchdowns. But Michigan State really wants to be physical and run the football, and they could not. They had 42 yards rushing. Washington said, you know what? If you can't run the football, you're going to have to make Peyton Thorne beat us. Yeah, he'll have his yards. We might give up some points. But as long as Penix is on, he is on. And they passed all over the yard, which is what college football is a lot is going to. And Michigan just Michigan State just couldn't get the big stops against Washington, where Washington could get the big stops against them uh both were seven of 16 on third down michigan state was four of six on fourth down washington was two of four they just had way more yards they had way more opportunities um you know that you know one turnover really makes the difference with the one interception um two very physical teams going at it washington just made more more plays they had bigger explosive plays and they scored when they needed to um and so Washington looks like they are back. Michigan State, this does hurt them uh, when they're looking towards their college football playoff, especially with Ohio State playing the way they are. And looking down the road, it does hurt them a little bit. But Washington gets the big one, 39-28. But Michigan State will bounce back from this. They will be just fine. But this does hurt them in their college football playoff mission because um, last year they had a lot of confidence to make the football playoff. And, you know, they were looking to have that happen again this year. But with Washington coming in, it's not looking good for their college football playoff hopes and dreams. But Washington seems to be almost all the way back. One of the games that hurt my betting was BYU versus Oregon. This game really shocked me because of the way BYU had been playing and the way Oregon had been playing. Uh, Oregon gets the big win, 41-20 to over BYU. BYU had some injuries in this game and coming into this game. And Oregon seems that they are slowly figuring out their new defense and their new offense. 
um, just the way it looked. They had the big loss against Georgia, but again, Georgia looks very good. Now they had the Eastern Washington game last week where they won 70 to 14. But now you have ex- you have more practices in this defense and this offense. Then you're going against BYU, who is ranked, who is playing pretty well, and just showed that it's slowly sinking in. But this was also Bo Nix's day. He played very well, very, very well. 13 of 18, 222 yards and two touchdowns. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. He looked like he was back. Um, Jaron Hall, the quarterback for BYU, passed for 305 yards and two touchdowns. He played very well. BYU just couldn't run the ball. 61 yards. BYU loves its wide zone, loves to run the football. They just could not really get anything going. Um, Oregon was still able to run the ball. With Bo Nix passing all over the yard, they were still able to run the ball for 212 yards, which is fantastic. Their defense made a lot of big plays when they needed to. Um, Oregon had 439 total yards. Uh, 227 through the air, like we said, and then they had 212 yards on the ground. Um, They just had the ball longer, 33 minutes, 11 seconds, compared to 26 minutes for BYU. Um, Oregon was very efficient on fourth down, um, which was a huge key to this game. If BYU could stop them on fourth down, Oregon was three for three on fourth down. Um, So BYU, again, like I said, just could not get the stops when they needed to and then just couldn't take advantage of all the moments when they did have the football. And without being able to run the football, they were going to struggle. Um, But this is what Bo Nix does. Bo Nix has a history of playing very, very well one game and then turning around and playing terrible. I don't think this was necessarily an Auburn issue with him. I think this is just who he is. I think Bo Nix... just does that there's just games where he he just sees the whole field um has great vision um great capabilities of throwing the football uh, people want to blame you know gus at auburn they want to blame brian harson at auburn for bo nix's play well if it really was all their fault bo nix would have balled out against georgia which he didn't um eastern Mich- eastern washington that they played is nothing to you know look at and say oh my god he's back this game you can kind of take from that and say yes um, and we'll get to Auburn later on, and we'll have a whole other episode on Auburn because I've got thoughts and things to say for that. But Bo Nix just does this. Look at his stats. Look at the history when he was at Auburn. He plays very well at times, looks very good, looks like an NFL-type draft quarterback, but then he will not play well. He will not do any of that. So he has a great game now. Doesn't mean that next week he will have the exact exact type of game now he could prove me wrong obviously he could go on and look at it um and play very well uh they got washington state which is not an easy game stanford's not an easy game 
Then later on, you're looking at Washington, who looks good. Utah is still good. Cal, who played Notre Dame pretty well. Oregon State has been much improved. So we'll see what Bo Nix is made of in this Oregon offense. I'm just telling you right now, he has always done this. He has played well, then not played well, played well for a little bit. So you can sit there and blame Auburn all you want. I think it's just Bo Nix, who is good. He is good, but he's just very inconsistent on how he plays. So they get the big win, 41-20 to over BYU. BYU had some injuries. Um, I think they will bounce back from this. Their schedule allows them to bounce back with Wyoming, Utah State, but then they do play Notre Dame and Arkansas and Liberty. But they got Boise State in there, Utah Tech, and some other teams. So they are still poised to have a good year this year, um, but they need to bounce back from this. I think they will. Moving on to another game that ruined my bets, but it was a great game to watch. Miami just made a lot of mistakes. It was Miami versus uh, Texas A&M. Texas A&M coming off that loss versus App State. Miami coming in feeling pretty good about themselves with their record. New coach, uh, new defense, new offense. They just gave up too many big plays. They couldn't stop Texas A&M certain downs. Um, Texas A&M gets the win 17-9. Texas A&M had a few players ejected from the targeting rule, lowering their head, hitting Miami, which the targeting rule we've already talked about. I think it needs to be dealt with there was one of those targetings that i did not think was right the guy literally was just tackling him and his head hit his head because they were both standing up there was another where he came down with his head down sure but when you're just tackling shoulder chest and the helmets hit to me that's not targeting but what do i know about targeting but i do think it does need to be revamped uh but texas a&m gets that win 17 to 9 um I think Texas A&M is still in trouble. People are really high on Miami. I don't think Miami's quite there yet. They are not back to being the U, you know, from the 80s and 90s, early 2000s, anything like that. They are not all the way back. Um, They just, from watching the game, they just did not convert when they needed to. They were 5 of 14 on third down. They went for a fourth down, and they were 0 for 1 there. They were just certain times on their offense that they didn't convert, drop passes, you know, those type of things. Uh, Texas A&M, you know, even losing a couple of defensive guys from the targeting, still made big plays, still got the stops. And they just had bigger offensive plays. Now, Miami had more yards, 392 yards versus 264 yards for Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M ran the ball 124 yards to 140 yards passing. Miami, 217 passing yards, rushing 175. Um they uh, had that turnover, which hurt them, the one fumble. Uh, but Miami had the ball longer. So st- statistically, you're looking at this going, Miami should have beat Texas A&M. So this is not a game, no offense to Miami, where Texas A&M winning this game is saying, Texas A&M is good. Well, they lost to App State, which we're going to talk about App State later on because of what happened in their game. Texas A&M has good players. They should be very, very good. I still don't think they are. I think my Alabama's going to come in and roll them later on. Until Jimbo Fisher doesn't call plays and allow somebody else to do it, and he can just have his really big input on it, um, I think they're just this is what's going to happen. And yes, he got the national championship because of Jameis Winston, but people do that. They they come across a good player, and no matter what, Jameis Winston, some of those guys, no matter what plays they called, they were going to win, and. This this is what's going to happen. You're going to have these close games, nineteen to you know seventeen to nine. Close win, a win's a win. Cool, 
but until Jimbo Fisher wants to give up the play calling, which people have talked about for a long time, of why does he still call plays? It seems that it doesn't work. Um, this is what's going to happen. Again, but looking at this, Miami just didn't capitalize on a lot of the opportunities they had. And if they did, it's a completely different conversation we're having. We're talking about Texas A&M, you know, being one and two versus being two and one. Miami's quarterback didn't throw a touchdown pass, which was a huge, it's a huge talking point. They also didn't get a um, rushing touchdown. So if that tells you anything, they just could not capitalize on certain situations that they had versus Texas A&M. Texas A&M defense played well, but Miami had a lot of drop passes, especially on mesh routes, shallow routes was quick. They would just drop the ball, um, you know, gave up some sacks and uh, critical times. Um, and so Miami just really could not, you know, get, get out of their own shadow. Uh, seven penalties for 52 yards and gave up some sacks. So Miami will be fine. I think they looked better. They looked there's upside to more upside to Miami than there's upside to Texas A&M. I know they're going to have the number one recruiting class coming in, but when you watch the way they play, how hard they play, if Miami capitalizes on those big plays, different conversation. There's a big upside to Miami, but Texas A&M gets this win. Jimbo Fisher one day will realize he should not be calling plays. He looks like a dad trying to do his taxes, holding the book. He looks like an IRS agent. He looks like got on a TV show looking for the washer and dryer warranty everything that looks at the books with his glasses on but one day he'll figure out that he shouldn't be calling plays anymore but they get the 117 to 9 just going to talk about this real quick old miss won against georgia tech 42 to nothing um old miss people that really don't like lane kiffin well old miss is 3-0 uh they still look good that offense still looks good defense is playing better um, I said this from a long time ago. Their schedule sets them up to get some wins to get them back to a bowl game. They're going to start getting into some tougher games. Next week they'll have Tulsa, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Auburn. They're going to get into some tough games. But I do think Lane Kiffin's doing a good job building that program up. Georgia Tech down <laughs> one and two right now. Um, Paul Johnson rehire should be happening, I think. Uh, but Old Miss's offense is just looking fantastic. Um, their quarterback, 207 yards passing. Um, I shouldn't say fantastic. It's looking okay for not having Matt Corral. I apologize. Wrong choice of words. It's looking fine without him. Lane Kiffin is figuring it out right now. It is Georgia Tech, so I'm sure they weren't opening up the entire playbook because they felt like they could come in and win. Not saying Old Miss is going to win the SEC. No offense, Lane Kiffin. Anything like that, you got to show a little more to have that conversation with Georgia in there and Alabama, uh, Mississippi State, and all of them in there. And we'll talk about Mississippi State later on. Um, just want to talk about the big score here. How Old Miss is getting some confidence. They get some confidence. They start running the ball well with Zach Evans, 134 yards rushing. Um, Juckins, I said his name wrong with 98 yards rushing. You continue to do that, they're going to be fine. You continue to get that run game going, then as the season goes on, they have to plan for that run game. Just opens up the complete passing game for their young quarterback. That's not Matt Corral. And Lane Kiffin, being the offensive genius that he is, is going to be able to figure that out. So I just want to bring that up. Georgia Tech, maybe you need to go back to the triple option. Probably. Love their strength coach. Uh, love what he's about. Uh, but X's and O's wise, scheming wise, culture wise, everything else, maybe it's time to get. I don't call for guys to get fired. 
Uh, but maybe it's time to do something different. Something different has to happen. Talk about one that I was looking forward to talking about. And I'm going to have a whole other podcast topic on this. I've talked about Auburn way too much on the show, being an Illinois guy. Talked about it way, way too much. But I listen to people who have bigger shows than this and are entertaining and they have good thoughts. And I would love to have conversations with them. But then there's other people that talk about Auburn, like they're Alabama and they're they're above everybody else or this big time thing, whatever. And we've talked about it before. Auburn has the upside to win games this year, but they had that whole offseason debacle with the boosters trying to get rid of Brian Harson. Uh, they didn't have cause to fire him, so they had to keep him. But they, they're paying Gus a lot of money to go coach at UCF. They were going to have to turn around after one year, after hiring Brian Harson, and have to pay him a lot of money to leave. Um, one game everybody had circled was the Auburn-Penn State game this year. Last year, Penn State did beat Auburn. This was one that a lot of people said, including myself, if Auburn beats Penn State, then you're looking at them to have a good rest of their year. Um, they will not win some games in the SEC because, again, it's the SEC and there's tons of good teams. They have to play Georgia later on. They've got to play Old Miss later on, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Alabama at the end of the year. So they're going to have to still play good teams. But everybody had this circled. If they went 3-0 into Missouri, they would have the confidence to probably beat Missouri and go 4-0. Depending on what type of team we have with Brian Kelly, which we'll talk about Brian Kelly and LSU, they could win that game. Then they can go on the skid of losing three games and people are going to start calling for Brian Harson's job. Then maybe they upset Texas A&M because Texas A&M could struggle to beat Washington, Kentucky, get them back to a bowl game and all that stuff, be happy and see everything else. Then we had the whole debacle, whatever. But when you play like this, this is what's going to happen. You lose to Penn State 41-12. to People are calling for Brian Harson now. The fans that supported him are now starting to call for him to be fired, which I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, I think Auburn still paying Chiswick is probably true. I College football coaches, the head football coaches, have some of the best agents in the entire world. And Odron getting paid all the millions of dollars to leave. I can't believe it. Gus getting all the money to leave. Can't believe it. These head college football coaches, when they get fired and they're getting paid 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 million dollars a year to leave, they could go coach at a college and say, you know what, give me $50,000 because I'm getting paid from them. Like, I don't need to make any more money. Take that money and put it into the program. Or Can I take all that money and hire all these coaches? I can't believe it. Auburn losing to Penn State is huge. And people are now calling for Brian Harson's job. But here's the thing. I'm not saying Penn State's winning the Big Ten. Penn State's not a slouch of a program. James Franklin's a good coach. This is a turnaround year for Penn State. They were, it's been talked about already, was was James Franklin going to leave this year? Could he possibly get fired this year? I don't think they'll ever fire him. I don't think that's a possibility. But this wasn't like you went and played an FCS school that beat you. It's just the way they played. Auburn played horrible. Penn State came in and was more physical. But then when you lose, see, things are good when you win. Yes, there's things people talk about with Auburn's offensive line. They talk about the offense, the quarterback. But when you're winning your first two weeks, you're 2-0, and people, it's just like a Band-Aid. Then you lose. Now the leaks start coming out from the Band-Aid or the tape. 
and now they're talking about he didn't do anything in the transfer portal. He had he fired his offense coordinator already. Derek Mason left and went on to Oklahoma State. And you know we're still paying money for Gus Malzahn. I think like in the comments we're still paying. They're still paying Chizik. The boosters tried to fire him. So then all that starts to resurface. Then you hear the Auburn fans try to make excuses for this. Well, Brian Harson didn't recruit well in the second year. Remember what I said at the beginning of the show. Looking at teams when they're going into their second year. Yes, that's a big year because you want to see where it's progressing. But it also depends what type of program you're overtaking. It depends on what's going on around you. This is all going to go downhill because of how Brian Harson has handled some things. But it's also going all over the place because you have a program where they didn't want him. Then they hired him anyway. Then they want him fired. Then they wanted this to happen. And they wanted this to happen. It's hard to be a head coach and focus on the on what you need to do when all that's in the back of your mind when people want you gone. Um, Morgan gets paid millions because that scumbag threatened to tell the NCAA about violations he committed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's true. They, these people get paid a lot of money. But this all starts coming out of the woodwork. It's hard to coach when people want you fired. They own boosters and everything else. Fans want to keep them, but now they're saying, well, fans want them fired. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think if you start going and you're two and four, two and five, two and six, then that's where it starts coming out. Now people are calling for him to get fired. What's the difference between firing him now or in two weeks than it was in the offseason? Well, now the cause is that he lost. Well, they could have fired him, but they still have to pay him the money. That's why they didn't fire him. There was no cause. They didn't want to pay him $15 million because they have to pay Gus $15 million. Like, it doesn't make sense. So the grass is not always greener on the other side. And I've talked about it with Gus. I'm going to talk about this a whole other time. But Penn State came in, was way more physical than Auburn, um, outplayed them big time. Um, Penn State was 5 for 11 on third downs. Uh, they had 477 yards of offense, 232 through the air, 245 on the ground. So Auburn just didn't play well at all. At all. I don't know if the players overlooked Penn State. Is Penn State much better than they were last year? I think so. I think they're much better than they were last year. Um, Sean Clifford was very consistent in his play, 14 um, of 19, 178 yards. But when you can run the ball, who needs to pass it if you run the ball well? With 245 yards of rushing, Singleton had 124 yards of rushing. You don't need to pass it then, especially if your defense is stepping up and making plays on Auburn. T.J. Finley was not the answer. So this is why the fans are frustrated. There's no quarterback. They're complaining about the offensive line, complaining about the defense. He's not the answer. He had one interception. He was 11 of 19, 152 yards. But also, when you play two quarterbacks, you're not going to do well. And I will stick by that till the day I die. When you rotate in two quarterbacks, the only time you should ever rotate two quarterbacks is if you have a goal line package like Florida did with Tim Tebow his freshman year. That's the only time. When you're trying to give them equal reps, it doesn't work. That's what happened with Florida last year and Dan Mullen. Because you can't get in a rhythm with your receivers. I don't think T.J. Finley's the answer, but if that's who you want to start, he's got to play the whole game. Because listen, T.J. Finley, 11 of 19. Ashford, 10 of 19. 152 yards for Finley, 144 yards for Ashford. 
Like, you can't do that because now the O-line doesn't get in a rhythm with their quarterback. The receivers don't get a rhythm with their quarterback. And you're probably game planning to have different plays for each quarterback. I'm telling you, that's what happened before last year when one can run the ball, run type of option stuff, and the other one's a pocket passer. Your offensive coordinator now has to adapt to that and call a different plays for that. So this is not good for Auburn. This is not good. I predicted um, when we were talking about the SEC, um, the SEC West, um, their over-under for them was 6.5, and, and I said the under only because I think they'll get to 6. And they're on that path right now. But one of the ways this was going to happen – over-under was this Penn State game. They did not pull it off. Penn State just bashed them. Way more physical. And the, they say the Big Ten isn't physical. So Penn State, the big 41-12 to 12 win. I'll talk about more Auburn another time because we got still so much to talk about. Um, we may only be halfway there. There's so much to talk about. I'm going to try to move as fast as I can. Uh, let's talk about... This could have been... The biggest upset of the week. And one that I had to eat crow on a little bit. Didn't respond to a comment from somebody on this. Northwestern hosted the Southern Illinois Salukis. I had a lot of friends go to Southern. I went to EIU. Traveled to Southern a lot. I hung out at Southern a lot. Um... I probably know my way around Carbondale for certain places as much as I know where I currently live now. Um, Good football program down there. Coach Hill does a great job. Uh, Not taking anything away from Southern. But on principle, you're looking at this going, well, Northwestern should beat Southern. And this is hard for me because I had the opportunity, again, to go watch Northwestern's practice. I got to meet Coach Pat Fitzgerald, which was, I should have taken a picture. It was one of the highlights of my coaching time uh, is to meet these Division One coaches. I've met some on Zoom, you know, maybe have sent messages and all that, but to meet in person Coach Fitzgerald was one of the highlights of my life in the coaching realm, the sports realm of my life. This was a tough one for for Northwestern. Southern gets the win 31-24. And there's really not much to say from the fact of North Southern just took it to Northwestern. They played tougher. And you never save, even when Nebraska loses, one thing that you could say from each game is that Northwestern came in and played tough. Well, in this type of game, you're looking at this going, well, Southern must have came in and played much. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. 
go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Much tougher. Um, you know, what coach we coach with intern for their strength program at Northwestern. So we have some ties there a little bit and we have some insight. I think some people underestimated even Southern's quarterback, uh, Nick Baker. He played for Rochester High School in Illinois, and the head coach at Rochester has won eight or nine. Has he won nine state titles now? Coach Derek Leonard, who should people have called for him to be Illinois' head coach or offensive coordinator. People have called for him to be a Division One offensive coordinator. He's that brilliant at the high school level. That brilliant. This was just a game where Southern left it all on the line. And Northwestern just did not leave it all on the line, which hurts for me to say about Northwestern because meeting Coach Fitzgerald and listening to how he runs his program, seeing it, seeing the facilities. I am an Illinois fan, but you start to kind of root for Northwestern a little bit. But going back, I think they underestimate Southern's players. They've built a good program down there. Nick Baker, I believe his senior year in high school, he had like 54 passing yards to one interception, and his one interception came in in the third round of the playoffs in high school, I think. Because in high school in Illinois, you play nine regular season games, then you'll have four rounds of the playoffs and a state title. So third or fourth round of the playoffs was his first interception. It was tipped. I remember the story. Um, I think they underestimated him as a quarterback. He was 23 of 34, 241 yards and three touchdowns. That's insane. Um, What really hurt Northwestern was their turnovers. They had four turnovers. They fumbled the ball twice and threw two interceptions. You can't be it's hard to beat anybody when you turn the ball over four times. That was the big key for that was turning the football over. Um because Northwestern had 213 yards passing and 167 yards on the ground. That it's a recipe to win the game. And Northwestern has a bend-don't-break defense. We saw it with Northwestern where they bent a little bit. Sometimes they broke, but not really. Still kept them in the game. They turned around after that onside kick and became very physical. I didn't think coming into this that Northwestern would be 1-2. and two. I don't think Coach Fitzgerald thought they'd be 1-2. and two. I thought they'd beat Nebraska. I thought they'd beat Duke. I'm sitting here saying they're going to beat Southern Illinois. This is a huge wake-up call for, for Northwestern. I am on, going to be on record saying you better watch out for Northwestern the rest of the way. They are going, this might have awakened them. This is going to be something that they're going to fix. Um, but you can't take anything away from Southern. This was a hard-fought game. It's one of those games when you're an FCS school, going to play an FBS school from this caliber, and you just they just said, screw it. We're going to open up everything we've got. We're going to leave it all out there. Us coaches preach that to our players all the time. Leave it all on the field. And that is what Southern did. They literally left nothing. Nothing else. I'd be curious to know if they could walk yesterday or today. I'd be curious if they could walk after that game. Cannot take anything away from them. Can't take anything away from them. They had better third down efficiency, 5 of 16. They were 3 for 3 on fourth down. Passed the ball pretty well. Nick Baker is a very good quarterback. People just didn't go after him because of his height. Very good quarterback. Got to see him play. I mean, Northwestern kept him under the rushing yards. They just gave up the big plays. 
They just didn't get them off the field when they needed to. And you turn the ball over. North Southern's linebackers played well. Um, they just let it all on the field. Coaches had them really ready to go. Um, but I am on record saying that Northwestern will be awakened. But this this is a huge setback for them for right, you know, as I'm speaking right now. This puts Southern in a different stratosphere for them. So be on the lookout for them to maybe make some noise in their playoffs. Maybe they get to the championship versus North Dakota State because North Dakota State almost beat Arizona, which they probably should have. So they'll be on the lookout for them. They're going to do something spectacular. Um, what more can you say? They just made more plays than Northwestern. Um, Northwestern's going to have to bounce back from this. Thought about reaching out to Pat Fitzgerald, uh, Coach Fitzgerald, but I'm going to leave him alone on this one. Um, this did not sit well, but I crow a little bit. People commented on it, at least one person uh, this morning at least, and said, oh, how's that Northwestern prediction? Well, I'm still sticking with it because it's a long year. They can tr- bounce around turn back, and my prediction was better than his prediction because I have insight to see Northwestern and what they can do, and I have a little insight where I can go probably figure this out and talk to people unlike the guy that commented um, not the guy in the comments right now. No, no, it's not you. It's a different, totally different person. Um, but we're moving on. Uh, Southern got the big upset over Northwestern. Wanted to talk about Dino Babers and Syracuse. Coming into the year, people said Dino Babers was on the hot seat. That he'll probably be fired at some point this year. And I try, I'm on record again saying... I've been around Coach Babers, and he's like, yeah, you. I helped out his spring practices. Uh, I got to see him up close. Jimmy G was there, everything else. He's a good coach, and he has the record, you know, his track record proves it. He had success being a wide receivers coach at Baylor, assistant coach at EIU many years ago. Like, he has this good track record. Then as a head coach at EIU, did really well. Turned on Bowling Green very quickly. And then his time at Syracuse, he's done good things. There's been some some off times, but he's done some good things. Um, it's hard to recruit there, you know. It's hard to recruit up there in the cold weather. And I'm surprised he's – good thing they play in a dome because he was not about that cold weather. But last year Syracuse was very, very, very young. Um, and they they did not have a good year whatsoever. People were calling for him to be fired or he's probably going to be fired this year. And – I and then Tommy DeVito gets transferred to Illinois, which is good for my Illinois. But I tried to tell people that how young they were was almost like him restarting, taking over this program. And that I think with the coaching from him, the different staff changes they hired Virginia's offensive coordinator, that they have this opportunity to do well. And then you watch them the very beginning against Louisville, they even changed their whole offense. And to have a coach like Dino Babers who wants to run the Baylor-style offense that Art Bryles did, this fast up-tempo, you got to snap it in 10 seconds, to now when you watch them, they'll still go up-tempo, they'll still do these things, but there's motions, there's shifts. They do slow it down. They do do more check-with-me's because that's what um, their new offensive coordinator did at Virginia when they still lit it up. And, and, you know, Virginia, you know, maybe not have won a lot of games, but they still lit it up. And for Coach Babers to take a step back and go, you know what, maybe I have to adapt this or that, and that's what they're doing. There's times they can still snap the ball every 10 seconds. But 
for a coach to put aside, you know, I'm not saying Coach Bayer has an ego, but the only way I can describe it is to put aside the quote unquote coaching ego and say, let's make this a, 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 um, let's make this change, and let's um, change this offense to what's fit our young guys because they're still young. Let's not get it twisted; they're still young, but they made this tweak, and they're now sitting. At three and zero, beating Purdue thirty-two to twenty-nine, and people are very high on Purdue, who is now sitting at one and two. They have a great pro-style passing attack. They got to figure out the run game. They have a lot of starters coming back. People are very high on Purdue, but right now Syracuse is sitting at three and zero. They're sitting at three and zero. In my ACC um, prediction for Syracuse, their over/under of them was five. They went five and seven last year, which was pretty bad for them. I said over five, and right now they're almost there. They're almost there, and I tried to tell people that Coach Babers is a good coach. Um, now they had to score late to win. I'm not saying it was a pretty game, but last year's Syracuse team would have just folded over and they wouldn't have won. Virginia's not playing well. They can beat them next week. Wagner, they should be able to beat. And then as you look throughout their schedule together, wins – Maybe Boston College, maybe Florida State. Like, there's opportunities for them to win because of confidence. Say it all the time. Confidence. Confidence, confidence, confidence. Um, Syracuse, its defense bent, and it broke a little bit. But but the offense still helped stay in the game. Purdue had 485 yards, 424 passing yards. Now, that is alarming for Syracuse. But again, they did force a turnover. Purdue had 13 penalties, which hurt them. The name of college football now is Ben Don't Break. Ben Don't Break. You can you can have some leaks. Um, Purdue had six points in the first, second in the three in the third, or three in the second, none in the third. Then they had this big explosion of um, 20 points in the fourth. So it looked like they broke. But Syracuse had three in the first, none in the second, seven in the third. Then they scored 22 in the fourth. They did just enough to win the game, which was more than what they could have done last year with how young they were. So this shows their growth. This shows more maturity. The tweaks that Coach Babers has made. The, the players believe in him in order to battle this. Now, I'm not saying Purdue is Ohio State. I'm not trying to say that. But from where Syracuse was last year to this year, people riding off Babers, people saying how bad they were and how bad they're going to be this year. They're coming back, and they're going to get some wins to get back to a bowl game where Babers can keep his job and continue this growth, continue this change, these tweaks to help them win. you you, you got to believe in the coaches and look at them. Allow the coach to do his job and build things, and good things will happen. Auburn fans, if you're listening to that, allow it to happen. Like Syracuse quarterback, didn't play a huge great game, but he threw three touchdown passes. Just kept playing, kept trusting everything that was going on around him, was able to get it. They had 125 yards on the ground, and I think Syracuse felt some confidence knowing, okay, I know Purdue can pass, but we're going to stop the run. If we can keep them, if we can keep our offense, if our offense can keep us close in the game, we can we can do this. And they had to score late to win, but that's better than where they were last year. So Syracuse being 3-0, and people didn't see that coming besides... I said it's very possible. I depend on what type of Louisville team you had. So Syracuse is coming back. And Babers, we trust.
Next game, we're going to talk about just very, very quickly because it makes me feel bad because Illinois lost to this team. It took overtime for Indiana to beat Western Kentucky 33-30. to It took Indiana having a 17-point fourth quarter to send it to overtime. This just showed Indiana wearing down a little bit, wearing Western Kentucky down a little bit. Indiana did not play well. People talked about it last week or a couple weeks ago when they played Illinois about how Indiana wasn't a good team and Illinois just gave up plays and we've already talked about it. And I agree and I don't agree, but I get it. I get it that that's what people are saying. Last week, Indiana beat Idaho 35-22. to Then playing Western Kentucky, you're thinking on principle, no matter what, that you're going to beat Western Kentucky. Like, that's just what's going to happen. Well, Western Kentucky said, screw you, Coach Steve, screw everybody else. We're going to show you. They were up 7-3 to in the first quarter. Then at halftime, they were up 17-10. to Then they outscored Indiana in the third, 7-3. to and Then in the fourth quarter is when Indiana had to have the 17-point explosion. That's just wearing down the other team. So credit to Indiana for being put in that situation to show they can come out of it. But if you're in that type of situation versus Penn State, Penn State might find a way to beat you. You're in that situation against Minnesota. Maybe Minnesota finds a way to beat you. You're in that situation against Michigan. They're going to find a way. Um, I'd be a little alarmed if I was Indiana's defense. Giving up the plays that they did. Um, They broke a little bit on defense. Your offense doesn't explode until the fourth quarter. It takes a while for the new quarterbacks and receivers to get into some type of rhythm. But once they do, they look pretty good. This is should be a little bit of alarming for Indiana. Um, I mean, they did pass the ball well for 364 yards and two touchdowns, their quarterback. But their defense gave up a ton of yards, too. 329 passing yards to Western Kentucky's quarterback. And then rushing, they also gave up 216 rushing yards. So you're looking at all this going, well, Western Kentucky should have won. They just got worn down. They just got worn down. Indiana's still sitting at 3-0. But looking at their uh, schedule all the way through, they got Cincinnati next week. I think Cincinnati can win. Nebraska, that's up in the air because Nebraska is a dumpster fire. They're not going to beat Michigan. Maryland's tough. Rutgers is tough. Penn State's very, very good. Ohio State's very, 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 very good. Michigan State to still be a tough team. And then Purdue's going to pass all over them. There's still a chance for him to get to a bowl game. I think Coach Allen's a fantastic coach. He did take over the defense again, so this is bothering him that he gave up 30 points to Western Kentucky, especially as a head coach, but especially as a defensive coordinator. This is a little alarming for Indiana, I would think, that it took an overtime to beat a smaller school, um, but you were put in that situation, and you came out on top. But it's alarming to give up 545 yards to anybody, let alone Western Kentucky, no offense to them, But on principle, you're like, ah, they just probably shouldn't have given up all those yards. And Western Kentucky had more turnovers than Indiana. And uh, and if maybe Western Kentucky doesn't give up one of those turnovers, they win the game. Indiana did what they had to do to win the game. But this is alarming for Indiana. Now, if the offense and the receivers pick it up quicker and it doesn't take them to the fourth quarter to get hot, they're going to do good things on offense. Their defense has to figure it out. they got to tackle better. They can't give up all those yards. But you would have to think by week three, 
this is a little bit of alarming, especially against who you played. So be on the lookout for Indiana and what they might do the rest of the year. Talk about this one really quick because do people watch the Pac-12? It took all the way to the very end of a field goal for the UCLA Bruins and Chip Kelly to get the win over South Alabama Jaguars 32-31. Another game that maybe another Power 5 should have lost. Uh, Southern Al- uh, South Alabama was up on them 10-6 in the first quarter. Uh, and then they scored another seven in the second quarter. So at halftime, they had 17 points. Then Southern Alabama scores 14 in the third. They get worn down. You notice the name of the thing is getting worn down from these Power 5 schools. Did not score any in the fourth quarter, and it took UCLA coming down to kick a game-winning field goal at the end, um, escaping a big upset from them. And UCLA has not had a lot of people at their games. There have been pictures of their crowd. The excuses that people have stuff other to do in California, I think it's because UCLA, they're trying – Chip Kelly's trying to rebuild it. They are 3-0, so they're going to take that. Chip Kelly's a good coach. I would love to have conversations with him. Great offensive mind. They're trying to turn around when they start beating people. But these type of close games that shouldn't be this close is not going to help that attendance. And also because USC is starting to bounce back a little bit so far with Lincoln Riley there. Um, and it is California. They have a lot of things to do, I guess. But you would think that they'd still go to these UCLA games. But when they start beating teams, they'll come back. But... South Alabama played very well. Should have probably won this game. But they got worn down. UCLA then started to make plays. Um, Their quarterback for UCLA, um, Thomas Robinson, 263 yards passing, three touchdowns. Still a good game. Running the ball, they had 144 yards rushing. Uh, For South Alabama, 237 yards passing, one touchdown to one interception. 162 yards on the ground. Three rushing touchdowns. Um, so both teams played well. But this is a team that UCLA should just be able to put away. So this is still alarming if you're a UCLA fan. And I'm sure Chip Kelly is not happy. He's happy they got the win to be put in that type of situation that they can march down and score a field goal. But again, if this was not South Alabama and this was USC, this was Washington, does this happen? Um, they both had two turnovers, two fumbles for UCLA, an interception and a fumble for South Alabama. What do we take away from this? UCLA's offense can score 30-some points to 40 points. No question there from Chip Kelly. It's the defense. The defense has to be addressed. So Chip Kelly's going to have to go in there and tell them and figure out things that they have to tweak um, and do much better at. So what do I take away from this? UCLA's offense is fine. Their defense, though, needs to be revamped, and something needs to happen if you are giving up 31 points to the to South Alabama. But South Alabama played well. You can't take anything away from them. Um, but that UCLA defense has to be revamped. A game I got to watch some of um, that we're going to talk about. Notre Dame's having a rough go. Notre Dame is having a rough go of their year. Losing to Ohio State and then losing to Marshall then hosting Cal. On principle, you know, you're looking at a close game, and it was. Notre Dame escapes 24-17. It was a tough, hard-fought game, but it was an, if you're a Notre Dame fan, it was an ugly game to watch. Um, the takeaways from this is, and my takeaways from the first two games, Notre Dame's defense does good things. Marcus Freeman being a head coach, the, the the new defense coordinator coming in, bringing some NFL ideas. 
their defense does good things. You don't take anything away from their defense. Their defense are just getting put in bad spots because their offense is bad. It's playing bad. The quarterback play is not good. It's not good. Drew Pine had 150 yards passing to two touchdowns because it's going to happen. You're Notre Dame. Um, running the football, they had 147 yards rushing. Esteem had 76 yards rushing. Um, Chris Tyree had 64 yards rushing. Um, but their offense just has no spark. It ha- They don't attack downfield as much. Um, as they have before. Um, I don't think Notre Dame fans are still in love with Marcus Freeman. Um, I think that's partly true, but I'm also around some Notre Dame fans. Um, They still are. They're still on board. Um, They are really blaming things with the offense because they're looking at their defense. The defense does fine. Um, The honeymoon's over. Um, Yeah, I think the honeymoon is over. Um... I'm going to have a whole other episode on Brian Kelly because I may have to eat crow on that one. I think they're not in love with the offense. Um, I'm very curious because Brian Kelly was a quote-unquote offensive because he called offense and then he gave it up. And when when Brian Kelly gave it up, Notre Dame did better. And I think that's why he's not calling it LSU right now either. He has input, but I don't – he's not calling it. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. O'Reilly Auto Parts specializes in keeping your car on the road. Not sure how much life is left in your battery? Our professional parts people will test it for free. If it does need to be replaced, we'll help you find just the right one to fit your car. Our superstar batteries are built to handle even the toughest conditions. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Marcus Freeman, I think, will be okay. They don't have an established... If Ian Book was still there, they would be fine. They'd have good quarterback play. You saw him getting chewed out and saying, do your job, team's counting on you. There was times that guys are wide open. Um, Watching the game, there's times where they show the replay, and he's throwing a two-yard dump off. But when you look, there's a guy open probably 8 to 12 yards down the field. There was one pass to the tight end instead of just rocking it to him. And you could see when they show the instant replay, when they show it from the end zone view, which is the best view to look at football film of all time for those type of things. If he just rocking it to him, it's a 15-yard completion. But he lobs it. And so I just don't think the quarterback play is helping. Um, I think they still have good offensive players, but they're not taking shots down the field. They are – the quarterback play is not going well. Um, that's another thing. They have don't have all these established receivers. That's a good point. They have nothing dynamic. That's true. But are they not dynamic because the quarterback isn't playing well? If you have a good quarterback, 
he should be able to make people around him better to make that spark, to get guys the football, to start giving them confidence to start to make these plays. So I think the offense has to be looked at more. The defense is there, but when you watch them, they're getting the defense is getting put in bad spots. To hold Ohio State to the type of points they did, they're that's still there. To hold Marshall to some the points they had, they're just on the field a lot. They're putting bad spots. Their offense is going three and out. So the offense needs to be revamped. Marcus Freeman has to have a conversation to, to, to all that stuff. So I again am not going to overreact. I think the reason why people are starting to say these things is because the hype of Marcus Freeman, the players really wanting him, all this stuff. We still have to give him the opportunity to build a program. We don't want this to be an Auburn situation and Brian Harson and everything else. This has to be a chance to build it up. The defense is fine. Listening to some Notre Dame fans, watching them myself, defense is fine for right now. It's going to get bad later on if they don't start winning games, but the offense needs to pick it up. They did score 24 points. Good for them. But it's just the inconsistency of their offense. Their quarterback play is what's really hurting them. They have to get things figured out quickly. But Notre Dame does get the win 24-17 against Cal. Nothing really to be like, oh my God, they got this win because Cal is Cal. Um, But they do get the win. But Notre Dame's schedule doesn't get easier. And so I'll be curious to see where they are midweek. But Marcus Freeman and them are going to have to have a conversation about um, that offense. App State got the win over Troy 32 to 28 from a Hail Mary. The gods were shining down on App State. Um, App State was losing at the end, and then the Hail Mary throw up caught the ball, churn and ran into the end zone. Not just caught in the end zone, caught it five or so yards from the end zone, ran to the end zone with the win. Hail Mary. App State, the gods were shining down on them. They beat Texas AM this year. They scored more points than anybody against North Carolina and we're two points away from winning that game. App State is here to stay. They are a great Division One program. Troy almost took down one of the, you know, best, smallest Division One teams there is. They get the win 32-28 on a Hail Mary. Um, their quarterback's awesome. Their offense is awesome. Their defense tackles well. They do good things. Um, they thought they probably should beat Troy, you know, 32-14 to 14 or 20 probably, but to have the confidence to throw the ball up to get the play, Troy just didn't make the play on defense. Um, and they get that big one, 32 to 28. Um, and the comments face it, Freeman and Reese are in over their heads, at least for now. I think Freeman will be fine. I, I, I think Reese needs to adapt what he's doing. Maybe they went away from their stuff because it was Brian Kelly stuff and they went to different stuff. Maybe Brian Kelly knew something that we all don't know on offense. But I'm telling you right now, watch that quarterback. He is not very good, and that does not help anything at all. And that's my big thing. But App State gets to win 32 to 28. Um, <laughs> what if I told you Kansas Jayhawks would be 3 and 0? Let me repeat that. Kansas Jayhawks football program is 3 and 0. 3 and 0. Would you ever have believed me if I told you that? They get the win 48-30 to over the Houston Cougars, who I came in this year high on, and now, now I'm over it. 
Now I'm over it on Houston. Great head coach down there, great offense. Just not getting it done. Is Kansas football back? Are they back to their Orange Bowl time? What was it, 2006, 2008? Are they back? Coach Lightpole is a great coach. We all knew this going in. Great head football coach. But this was a down-in-the-dumps program, big time to take over and try to win. They just don't care. They don't. Jalen Daniels had three passing touchdowns. They had 280 yards rushing. Jalen Daniels was their leading rusher as 123 yards rushing. Houston's defense looked like crap. Their offense had some yards. They just couldn't find the end zone when they needed to. But Houston's defense just looked like crap. Coach Leipel had a great plan coming in against their defense. Um, He's proving me and a lot of people wrong. I knew he was a good coach, great head coach. I never said this was a horrible hire. I just didn't know if he was going to be able to do it because it's Kansas. But he's proven a lot of people wrong. They are now sitting 3-0. They get the win 48-30. to um, And they are off and running. Uh, they have already proved me wrong. Um, one of my episodes where I talked about the Big 12, I said the over-under for Kansas wins was 2.5. They went 2-10 and 10 last year, 1-8 and eight in the Big 12. I took the under because I thought they were going to get to 2. They got to 3. They've already done it. So if you bet on that, you're winning a lot of money because they get to that three wins. They 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 look like a competent football team. Look at a competent football team. When you got a quarterback that can pass like that and run, yeah, you have a competent football team. Doesn't mean they're gonna win the Big Twelve, but confidence is the name of the game. Um, in the comment section, or maybe Kelly's a top five coach in college football. Notre Dame ran him off by not spending enough money on football. I think Notre Dame spends a lot of money on football. They have one of the they have great facilities. They could be better. Um, I don't know if I put Brian Kelly in a top five because who's he better than? He's not better than Nick Saban. He's not better than uh, you know Dabo Swinney has more national championships. Uh, Mike Leach has won a lot of games. Um, he's not better than Kirby Smart. I don't think you could say that from a record perspective, but he has a national championship. Um, Maybe he is number five. I don't know. Um, is he better than Is he better than Jimbo Fisher? Is he better than um, a bunch of these other guys that we're talking about? Don't know. It's a good question. You have to uh, You have to tune in when I do my Brian Kelly segment. When I say was I wrong about Brian Kelly? That would be a whole another episode preview of what I'll do. Um, but that's a good question. That'll be put in there. Is Brian Kelly a top five? college football coach um, out there because I said Lane Kiffin was better. Um, he's a better offensive mind, but that was oh, that's a whole other thing. But back to Kansas, they get the win 48-30, and 3-0. Never thought I would see that in my lifetime. Well, wouldn't know if I see that this year. Um, speaking of Brian Kelly, um, we'll talk about that at the end. Speaking of Brian Kelly. Um, next one, just to talk about real quick, because it was breaking news earlier, so I'm a little bit late. Um, Arizona yesterday, Arizona State lost to Eastern Michigan 30-21. to I had the opportunity to talk about, uh, talk to um, a coach there, a GA offensive line coach there um, on here. 
And so I had a little insight to Eastern Michigan. I thought they were going to do good things on their offensive line and, and everything else. Um, I don't know if he's better than Fisher, but we'll get to that. Um, Eastern Michigan got that win. And then today, Herm Edwards was relinquishing himself as head coach, but also saying he's fired. So Herm Edwards is out as head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils after this 30-21 to loss that they took to Eastern Michigan. There's been investigations to Arizona State, recruiting, and all this other stuff. And so um, not winning doesn't help. Winning solves a lot of problems, hides a lot of things until leaks start happening. And so Herm Edwards is out as head coach after this loss. Um, um, And Eastern Michigan just played much better. I think all the stuff going around Arizona State just is too much for the players. So now they're going to have new leadership there. Um, at Arizona State after this loss to Eastern Michigan. Um, can't take anything away from Eastern Michigan. Um, they ran the ball extremely well, which is what I try to tell you. They, I have insight to their whole line. Um, Samson Evson had 258 yards rushing. You give up 258 yards rushing to one player, you are probably going to lose this game, um, especially when their quarterback can give you – he only got 93 yards passing, but who needs to pass when he's running the football like that? So just wanted to bring that up very quickly. They got that Eastern Mission got the win. Herm Edwards is out. He was 26 and 20 in five seasons with Arizona State. Um, hard thing for Herm Edwards. I think he's a fan favorite, but there was too much investigation, too much stuff going on there to overcome at Arizona State. Um, to wrap this up, we'll just talk about it. You know, we have a guy in the chat who's commenting, and thank you so much for commenting. Um, I'm a Mike Leach guy. Everybody knows this. Love the air raid. Um, my bucket list is to have a conversation with Mike Leach. If I met Mike Leach, I'd probably never want to meet anybody again because he's on the top. But Speaking of Brian Kelly, LSU gets the win 31-16. Now, watching this game from start to finish, LSU did not look good the first half at least. Then they, they got better. Mississippi State made too many mistakes. Too many mistakes. Um, there was a big punt drop for Mississippi State that put LSU close to the red zone, and they were able to score. Um, there was an interception late. Uh, there was fourth downs that they didn't get from Mississippi State. Just too many of those mistakes that gave the ball back to LSU. And when you give a team confidence and momentum, anything can happen. Um, I think Mississippi State was the better team. But LSU, again, just made too many made more plays at the end. Um, Mississippi State was 3 of 14 on third down. They went for four fourth downs. They were one for four. They had one very early. They converted and the rest they didn't. They ran inside zone like every time they went for fourth down, um, which is a little concerning. 289 total yards from Mississippi State, which is not what they are looking to do. Only 214 through the air. They had 75 rushing yards. Um, Mississippi State's defense played well up until the fourth quarter. They just got worn down. They got really worn down. LSU had the ball for 32 minutes and 42 seconds. Um, Mike Leach is known for 
wanting to go for it on fourth down a lot. He believes that if you um, are aggressive like that, you, good things can happen. And when you Mississippi State's defense is very good. And when you have a defense that's playing well during the game, because they did, they played well. I don't think you could take away from Mississippi State's defense. Their defensive coordinator, they played very well. So when you have a good defense and they're playing well, you're going to go for it on fourth downs. Now, there's probably one or two he's probably thinking back maybe and going, well, I should have punted it because it's hindsight. It's 2020. Um, LSU's defensive coordinator, Matt House, is a rising star. Yes, I agree. But Mississippi State dropped some passes they shouldn't have. Um they weren't good on third down, and that that punt fumble was a huge momentum swing that it was just hard to recover from. Uh, I'm not saying LSU is a world beater, and I'm going to talk more about LSU in another episode later on in the week, uh, maybe tomorrow. Um, but Mississippi State gave this game away, in my opinion. LSU took the opportunity at the end. I mean, they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. They took that opportunity and ran with it. And I can't take that away from them. I'm not going to take it away from them. Um, they kept battling. Um, they had some bad plays, too. The quarterback, I just don't – I'm not bought into right now. Um, I don't know if I – you know, he's playing better. Um, Jaden Daniels, he had one touchdown. He had 210 passing yards. He was 22 of 37. His QBR was 68. Will Rogers was, you know, 24-42. He had, did have that interception late. They just didn't convert on big plays when they needed to. Um, some of those fourth downs when they were runs, it was inside zone right up the middle when they had seven and five in the box. Will Ro- Mike Leach gives the quarterback full reign to check plays, uh, but he's going to take the blame. But there were times that I think Will Rogers could have checked out of those um, into something else. But again, we're not in those meetings. We're not on the headset. We're not on any of that. And so it's hard for us, especially even me, to sit there and say, well, this is what they should have done. This is what they should have do," uh, and all that good stuff. Um, but Mississippi State, in my opinion, gave this one away. But kudos to Brian Kelly and LSU for battling and sticking with it, um, taking advantage of Mississippi State's mistakes, taking advantage of them not getting in on fourth down, taking advantage of the short field that they would have. But they made a lot of mistakes, too. Um, LSU is going to have some of these type of wins later on in the year. They're also going to get some losses. Um, so, But they get the win, 31-16. to 16. Uh, This happens from time to time on Mike Leach teams. He's one of the only head coaches, I think, that can call an offense and still win more games other than Jimbo Fisher. But Jimbo Fisher doesn't. He needs to be not the offensive coordinator anymore. Um, but they get LSU gets to win 31 to 16 over Mississippi State. What this tells me from this game is that LSU has some mental toughness to them. They're going to keep battling, and they could come away with a win like this. Uh, Mississippi State just shows me that they're going to go back and really address that they didn't make the plays they needed to. Will Rogers probably didn't make some reads that he was supposed to. Um, they got to convert on those fourth downs that Miss, uh, Mike Leach wants to go for, and they cannot fumble a punt. They cannot. Um, give up big third downs. Um, their defense, I think, got worn down, so I wouldn't be... Don't take anything away from their defense. They, they played well when you watched, actually watched the game. You could look at the score and say they didn't. If you actually watched the football game, they the defense did play well. Um, looking at the comment right now, um, are you one of those Notre Dame fans that has been out of shape over Kelly leaving and now you're trying to convince yourself that Kelly won't work at LSU? Because I, uh, I'm not a Notre Dame fan. I am around a lot of Notre Dame fans. 
and I try to look at it from a perspective of I'm not going to look at this as I hate Notre Dame to allow those thoughts to cloud what I say about this. Um, I try to look at it from a coaching perspective. I try to look at those other things. Um, and I just was never a fan of Brian Kelly. So I'm not saying it won't quote unquote work for Brian Kelly at LSU because I can't take away from the track record he has and the record he does have and everything else. I was just very critical on what he said when he went to LSU saying, well, I'm only going to LSU because I want to beat Nick Saban. Cool. Um, And then I just didn't like, you know, I took it from, well, when he left Notre Dame, they didn't say goodbye to him. They didn't really care. This big push for Marcus Freeman. Um, I was a big Ed Ogeron guy, so that's also a part of it. But I also do try to keep that out of it. So I'm not a Notre Dame fan. Um, the only the only teams I hate in this world is Ohio State. I hate Ohio State more than any one of the more than anything. I hate Ohio State. Um, that's really about it. I really, I mean, I kind of don't like Indiana. I like Coach Allen there, but I don't like Indiana. Um, I hate Iowa basketball. You know those type of things, but I'm not a Notre Dame fan. I'm all, I also like Marcus Freeman because um, I try to look at it from a coaching perspective. A lot of my episodes are talking to coaches. Um, I'm talking to, right now. If you're listening to the audio version, I'm you know you, I'm there's a comment and I'm going to address it. No, Kelly could make it work at LSU. I just don't think he is going to win a championship. There's too much going on down there. He made excuses about recruiting to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a big time brand name. And you can't get some of those recruits there. How are you going to get them to LSU is my whole thing. And he can prove me wrong, and that's fine. Um, I just was never a Kelly guy either. So it was not a Notre Dame fan. Even when he was at Notre Dame, I'm like, I'm not a Brian Kelly person. I don't know why, but I'm not. Um, Yeah, I hate Ohio State. Um, I I really do. Um, I will root for every single team that plays against Ohio State all the time. Um, But... Brian Kelly got it done against Mississippi State, 31-16. to uh, Mississippi State will bounce back. I promise you, Mike Leach, they do bounce back. Um, they'll figure it out. It just happens to Mike Leach. This is just something that happens once in a while um, with all the good teams he has had. It just happens. Um, but that wraps up. That's all the games I wanted to talk about. Um, like I said, be on the lookout for – we're going to talk more about Nebraska. We're going to talk about more about Brian Kelly. We're going to do all that. Um, but that wraps up this. Thank you for the sir in the chat. That's what I like when I go live once in a while. Um, thank you for commenting and being part of it. Um, guys, like and subscribe to YouTube channel. Follow it, rate it. Follow me at Coach underscore Steve72 on Twitter. Um, leave a comment in the comment section down below. Um, rate on iTunes and Apple goes a long way. Check out all the affiliates in the description below. Um, so thank you guys again for watching or listening. Uh, we'll be back with other episodes. Check out all the other ones. Um, thank you guys so much. This is coach Steve and we will see you next time.